It's all printed for you from uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth... Peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they scurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them told them about the child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them but mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things they had seen which were just as they had been told i'm going to pray and then we'll think about this good passage together. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this day that we can meet together and think about the true meaning of Christmas. Lord, we pray that as we reflect on these things, uh, we'd be encouraged and challenged to again understand ourselves in relation to you as as your people, uh, with the duty to uh, live for your glory. Lord, we thank you for this time now and we pray that you would help us to understand in a fresh way again uh, this Christmas message. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the question you've got at the top of your outline is, what do people need for Christmas? What do people need? I was talking to uh, my two boys about Uh, what they thought they needed for Christmas, and the answer was, chocolate, Dad, that's what we need for Christmas. 
I suppose it was a bit of a trick question really because uh, we can talk about things that they thought they needed but I understood the difference between needs and wants. They wanted chocolate but need, that's a bit different isn't it? Although at one level when it comes to Christmas we don't need anything that's altogether out of the ordinary do we? Uh, we need the same kinds of things at Christmas time that we do need the rest of the time of the year. Things like air, water, food, shelter, clothing, enough sleep and love. Those are the things that we need. But often when we uh, speak about what we need, uh, we're really saying things like what we feel like we need, don't we? You say, you know, I need a break, but what we really need is I feel like I need a break from work around Christmas time. Or I feel like I need to catch up with those friends and family who I've not been in touch with because I've gotten so busy this year once again. Or it might be that you're a person who really does feel like you need chocolate, and that's fair enough. Yes. I've noticed the Australian Red Cross this year in their marketing has seemed to pick up on this topic of what people need at Christmas time. You might have seen some of their ads in things like the Sunday papers. Uh, they've had a few quotes. You might recognise some of these ones. Emma Lee doesn't need a toy. She needs a healthy breakfast before school. Jack doesn't need a tie. He needs a daily phone call. And Lee doesn't need a doll. She needs safe drinking water. And at the end of those ads, they've said things like, give a gift that's really needed. And so they're promoting Red Cross to give things which, which people really do need. And it's hard to argue with the logic of those ads, isn't it? There are things that people really do need throughout the world. But by and large, we're people who enjoy a pretty good country and pretty good lives, and for the most part, our needs are often met, especially at Christmas time when there's so much uh, giving and, uh, and rich times to be had with one another. But in today's passage, we do meet, on the first Christmas, people who did have some needs. Uh, Joseph and Mary, they had a need, didn't they? They had a need to find a place to stay. They'd come from a village of Nazareth. It was about between 80 and 100 kilometres north of Bethlehem. And they had to take the trip south. And think about what that trip would have been like on the dusty roads, going up and hill and downhill and travelling around the distance from here to Taree. Of course, it was uh, no mountain bikes or cars. It was all done on foot. Poor Mary was, as they say, very pregnant, or as my wife told me today, she was heavily pregnant. You can't be very pregnant, you're either pregnant or you're not. Well, she was heavily pregnant, and presumably she's made the trip on a donkey. Although you might have noticed there wasn't any donkeys mentioned in the passage. Well, they needed a place to stay, and so they took a type of shed. We're told in verse 7, because there was no room in the inn. After a long trip, they had their needs met, but only by staying in a place where even animals felt at home. The shepherds in this story also had needs met on that first Christmas as well. When they were out on the fields, they had an amazing experience and they were overwhelmed. 
It was an interesting moment because uh, when they have this experience, they're filled with fear. They've, they've got a sense of terror as they meet a heavenly messenger. And they look around and we're invited to the, into the action as well. Even as we read this story, we see that the glory of the Lord shines around them. That's an interesting little part of the Bible, isn't it? Can you imagine what it would be out, like out in the fields uh, with the flocks at night and then a heavenly messenger shows up and the glory of God shines around. It would be an amazing moment and a terrifying one. From, and so the angel calms them down. Don't be afraid, he says to them. And he announces some wonderful news. Verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's their message. A saviour has been born who's in the family line of King David. In the past, God had promised there would always be a king on David's throne who would be reigning or ruling over God's people forever. And these shepherds are filled in on the news that it's happened in their hearing. But which child in Bethlehem, the city of David, which child would it be? The shepherds had their need that first Christmas. They needed a sign. They needed to know which was the child. And so the angel continues by saying in verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It's not so much the significance of the manger that means much, but that's the sign that he's the right baby. Of all the babies that were in Bethlehem, they knew that this would be the one. And he was the saviour whose birth they had to celebrate. And it worked out that way too. In verse 16, we're told they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. They knew that that was the baby. And so on that first Christmas, we meet some people who had needs. Mary and Joseph had the need for a place to stay. And the shepherds had a need to know which baby the saviour was. And so they saw the sign that the one who was lying in the, babe, in the manger was the baby. As we look at this story, we can see something of the very humble origins to which God has uh, taken a start to when he's entered into the mess and the muddle of this world. He came into the world as Christ the Lord, which is Christ the King, the King over God's people, King over the whole world. But he wasn't born in a palace. And the people he was, uh, who celebrated his birth and who found out about it first were a fairly rough and ready crew, a bunch of shepherds. They were the ones who welcomed Jesus into the world. Well, after the shepherds received their sign to know which baby it was, they had the wonderful privilege of explaining to other people the things that they'd been told, that Jesus was the saviour and that there would be peace on earth for all people on whom God's favour rests. They spread the word about what the angels had told them and the people were amazed who were listening to the shepherds. They were absolutely amazed at what they'd been told. And guess what? Even this Christmas as we remember these things some 2,000 years later, it's still an amazing story. 
It's amazing that God in his goodness has been able to provide salvation. He's entered the world in a mysterious way in this little baby who is called Emmanuel, God with us. He's come to be the one to provide salvations by means of the forgiveness of our sins. Salvation by being forgiven, something that's already come up earlier in Luke's Gospel. In chapter 1, Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist, starts singing and celebrating about John the Baptist's birth and how John's coming to prepare the way for the Saviour, for Jesus. We pick it up in chapter 1, verse 76. Zechariah says, And you, my child, he's talking about John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord and prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Of all the things that are really needed at Christmas, that's it, isn't it? A knowledge of God's salvation by means of having our sins forgiven. That's the thing that we need. And we know it, don't we? Because we know that when we think about our hearts, we think about the things that we've done, the thoughts that we've had, the words that we've said that we've been ashamed of. We know that we need forgiveness. One of the differences that's uh, between people and animals is that people blush. We feel a sense of shame and sorrow for how we've fallen short of how God calls us to live. At times feel, people feel guilty. They know they've fallen short of how God calls them to live. And they know they need forgiveness. At other times people can suppress those things. They can see their consciences. Um, but the fact is God, our consciences have got to be subject to God's word. And God's word reminds us that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God and that we need salvation and to have our sins forgiven. Well, this Christmas, as many people fight to have their needs met and struggle to survive, and we know that we've also got our own struggles as well and the... There are areas and things in our lives where we need our needs met as well. In spite of all the needs that need to be met, the most important need is the need for forgiveness. And that's what we're remembering each Christmas time. That's the message of God's word to us this morning. The most crucial need that we have is to be forgiven and to receive God's salvation through Christ. As Scott mentioned earlier in his prayer, Jesus didn't remain as a baby, but he grew up, he lived out God's will, and he willingly laid down his life for our sins. He died for those who put their trust in him. He died for people like me, and he died for people like you as well. And that's something which we can remember and find a great deal of comfort in. It's good news because the Bible tells us that we will all stand before God one day in a judgment day, that we'll all have to give an account to God for our lives. At one level, we can run away from God for a time. We can pretend to be king of our own lives, and we do. People do. They do their own thing, but they only get a chance to do that for a time. One day, we will meet God, and if we enjoy trusting in the Saviour that he's provided, 
that won't be a bad day because we'll be enjoying his forgiveness. But if we don't have a saviour, we can't have any assurance that things are well between us and God and that we don't enjoy God's forgiveness. Yet today we're remembering God's kindness. We remember this morning that there is good news of great joy. That's what the angels and the great multitude that turned up had to share. And there's a great deal of comfort that comes from knowing that we're right with God by putting our trust in the Saviour that he's provided. Of all the uh, things we need, there's a long list, isn't there, of things we want, and sure, there's a lot of things that we need, but of all those things that we, uh, we do need and we enjoy when we have our needs met and celebrate, the most important need that we need to remember this Christmas is forgiveness of our sins. So let me encourage you, as you uh, celebrate with family and friends and enjoy blessings of food and presents, don't just remember that Jesus was a a little baby in a manger, but that was actually the sign that he was the saviour, the one who brings us salvation from our sins. Let us pray. Lord God, we do give you thanks that each year at Christmas time we, we can remember that you are for us, that you did enter into the world in a mysterious and a, an amazing way in Jesus Christ the Lord. Lord God, we give you thanks that that was for us, that we who fall short of your glory and don't always seek to love you or bring glory or honour to you or give thanks to you, that you in your goodness and mercy have provided a way for us to be forgiven. We thank you that Jesus did grow and live out your will and willingly lay down his life for us. But we give you thanks that he was also raised to life, that he might pour out your spirit into our hearts and change us so that we are people who seek not to live uh, for our own glory or live as kings of our own lives anymore, but to live for him who died for us. Lord God, we thank you that at this Christmas time we can remember that we do enjoy that comforting news that we are forgiven of our sins and we are free from guilt because Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful message which we've been able to remember in a fresh way once again this year. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.